Hi, everyone. This is Meredith Root, and welcome to the Afternoon Snack Podcast, brought to you by Tactic Nutrition. Hi, I'm Alex Parker, owner of Tactic Nutrition, former lawyer, CrossFit Games athlete, turned health and fitness geek. I'm also into health and nutrition, a more recent CrossFit Games athlete, co-owner of Tactic Nutrition, and former engineer. We are here to have fun, engaging conversation about some of our favorite topics, including nutrition, health, coaching, motivation, and of course, CrossFit. Our goal is to give you something to think and talk about and hopefully make you laugh along the way. Hey, Alex. Hey. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. I think this is a first for me on this podcast. What is? I'm wearing a bra. <laughs> um, yeah, I usually am in pajamas or loungewear. And like in 2020 and 2021, like bras definitely became optional. <laughs> Sometimes I think like, you know, things opening back up. I think about like, oh, it's going to be so nice to go out to eat. And it will be sit at a restaurant and like have a glass of wine and a nice dinner that we didn't make ourselves that Brenda didn't make us um and then I think about like all the logistics that go into that so it's like not only do you have to drive to the restaurant and then go through the hassle of like you know sitting down and waiting on the wait staff and like waiting on your food and dealing with other people like you actually have to put real clothes on with like like a bra and like a nice shirt and you have to do your makeup and your hair. I mean, I guess you don't have to, but I will. And it's like, that's going to be a whole thing. I think mm -hmm. it'll be nice. <laughs> it'll be worth doing. I think so. Yeah. Um, you'll actually have to do your hair for like the third time since you've had it. Yeah. Cut. But actually I remember when you got it, I was like, look, like, you know, short hair is, a, it's a lot of work. It's like more work than long hair. You're going to have to do it. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do it. It's going to be great. It's easy. And then like, obviously you came home from the salon with it st styled. And then I think I, I saw you blow dry it and style it once, which by the way, it looks great when you do that. You have a really nice face and you have nice hair. And yeah, I think that was maybe like a year ago. It was. <laughs> and yeah, it'll be, it'll be nice to see it all done up again. I'm sorry that I wasn't willing to cut your hair. Yeah. Last week. It's okay. I'll just let it grow and and then get it super short. No, you won't. Okay. Um, I like, I, my hair is getting long and I needed it. I need it cut right now. And the salons are closed. I think they're actually, they just announced that they're going to be opening in June again, which is nice. Which is why I wanted to wait. Yeah. But in the meantime, I got all excited about Meredith cutting my hair and like, bought a full set of haircutting scissors. Well, hang on a second. I bought the haircutting scissors. You asked me to buy. Okay. Because I get everything that's on Amazon. Yeah. So I was like, fine. Because you were like, we don't need that stuff. You can just use whatever scissors. I'm like, you want me to use like kitchen scissors on your hair? Absolutely not. So I bought the actual like haircutting set on Amazon. Go on. And then you refused to cut my hair. Slash, you didn't refuse. You made such a big deal about not wanting to do it. Yeah. That I no longer wanted you to do it. I did watch YouTube videos and was prepared to do it. I just was not excited to do it. Mm -hmm. There's never going to be a time where I'm like excited to cut your hair because I feel an immense amount of pressure to do a good job. And like I'm good at a lot of things, but 
hair cutting is not one of those things. Have you ever done it? No. Well, then you don't, you don't know. I just My hairdresser said it's actually pretty easy. But you also have a client who's a hairdresser who was like, absolutely not. <laughs> do not let Meredith cut your hair. So no, she said, don't cut your own hair. Hmm. That's not how I interpreted that conversation. Um, Ivy's trying to burrow in this blanket cover up. We are at this awkward time of year. It's a miserable time of year. It's good and bad. So it's becoming springtime, kind of like getting towards summer, which like Calgary has a pretty nice summer. Like it, it gets warm, doesn't get super hot. As long as it's not windy, it's pretty enjoyable. But the downside of that is we're so far north that I feel like it's really around now until like mid to late July. It's like daylight all the time. Okay. That is, that is an exaggeration. I know, but it's not like we live in like Nunavut where, or Alaska where it's actually sunny. No, but it's like, I mean, okay. The sun sets at, the sun is gone. Like it's no longer light out after 10 p.m. Yeah. And then it's up at five. I mean, we could probably just look this up, but sunrise is probably five something. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you. So it makes getting to bed and then sleeping in difficult. Um, yes, we have sunrise at 522 sunset at 936. But yeah. that's just the time that the sun is like behind the horizon. It actually is like it's light out yeah after 10 and it's also it begins getting light before five yeah so um that's not that many dark hours for someone who's like i mean i really love sleeping and i really like kind of try to prioritize it um but it's hard because like we have to like obviously our like our door to the bathroom stays open so that we can navigate well and we have like this big like barn door for our bathroom door and if you, as you open and close it, it's got these like big rollers. It's so loud. <laughs> so you can't really like. So like you go to close it, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and everybody's awake. So you have to leave it cracked so you can shimmy through the crack to get to the, the toilet room, which is in the bathroom. But then also in the bathroom, there's a big ass window. And then we have to leave our bedroom door cracked so Ivy can come and go. And then like in the loft, there's a big window. And like we have shades, but they're not like blackout. And I don't even think it would matter because there's so much light coming from other like elsewhere in the house, which is like, I love it, but also it's presenting some obvious problems. So it's like last night, for example, I was so excited to sleep in because Thursday is kind of like a sleep in day. It's like the one that we get. And so it's like 10 PM and I'm wide awake because it's still like it's daylight. So my brain's like, like my body's tired because like from working out, just having kind of a long day. But my brain was like, yep, we're not going to sleep yet. So I think it was like 10, 10, 30, 11 before really sleep is happening. And then up at, you know, before five, you kind of start waking up. It's brutal. Ivy likes it. Well, Ivy likes it because Ivy sleeps during the daytime. So she's like, she's up early waiting for us. <clears throat> She's funny, like, we, all three of us, we go to bed together, and so Ivy, you know, we're getting ready, brushing teeth or whatever, and Ivy's just kind of, kind of poking around. That's kind of her witching hour. She likes to get her toys going and really, like, zoom around for a few minutes, 
and then we get into bed and we're talking or whatever and if it gets, if it gets past a certain time it's like she, 10 p.m it's almost 10 p.m every night if we're still like if lights still, on yeah she'll jump up in the bed and basically be like lights out ladies <laughs> at least time for bed so she'll she'll kind of wander around and just kind of like plop down in the middle and like she's like she's encouraging us to go to sleep it's really funny and then we do that and then she gets up and she leaves and she goes and does whatever she does for like an hour or so probably eat go to the bathroom i don't i would actually love to put a camera up to see what exactly she, she does. i think she normally eats because sometimes i go down to check on her and she's near her bowl yeah she doesn't like to eat when we're busy no so anyways then she'll come back and to the bedroom around 11 and settle down in her little bed which is in the corner and then uh yeah it's probably it's right after it starts getting light so right around or just before five she'll wake up and then she'll jump in the bed and then she'll crawl up towards your head and be like um the the covers (laughs) so then you lift the covers and she goes under the blanket for like an hour until it's 6 a.m and that's when she's like all right all right it's time (laughs) So that's how we wake up most mornings. And then she like wanders around the bed in the room and she's like, and then we're like, Ivy. And she's like, oh, sorry. Did I wake you? <laughs> but then when she's really like, when she really wants you get up, to get up, she uh, like, she's smart. She knows what she's not supposed to do. And she knows that one of those things, like she loves to chew on cables. And so you'll just hear like, she will legitimately pull your phone charger out of the wall. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wake up to sometimes. That's like I think she knows that that sound, like that specific sound, will get both of us kind of moving and out of bed. She but keeps a tight leash on us. She does. She's the, uh, she rules the house for sure. But, um, she loves the new couch. That's like the big update from last week because we finally got our <sighs> new furniture in. Okay, this couch is amazing. It's, it's got to be three times the size of the one that you bought the other couch that i hate yeah it's basically two twin beds pushed together except one it's it's like a twin bed because it's like the right length and that's the short side and then there's the long side which is even longer than that um and it's super wide so like you can easily like spoon somebody you could you could have four people lying down on their backs like two and two yeah no problem oh none at all like Meredith and I had a nap the other day and I was fully stretched out on one side, like in a bed and she was fully stretched out on the other, other portion of it. We weren't touching. Not even close. And Ivy was somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Ivy's funny cause she loves the, like the crack. She'll just get in the crack and like she, she's not one to like, like she never used to do this on the old couch. And if we're, we're like up and around, usually she's, she's following, but like you'd be in the kitchen or whatever and realize that you haven't seen her in a little while and you look over and she's just like passed out on the couch yeah it's she amazing loves it. last night we were both kind of huddled together on the like the short side and she was literally she was laying like right in the middle of the big portion of the couch so i think she thinks that's hers um yeah we've been using the fireplace which she recently discovered that she likes that's been good. What are you staring at? I feel like we made a really good decision on that couch compared to the couch that you purchased. When like the difference between the two, when Meredith purchased this tiny couch and I tried to sell it, no one was buying it like at a discounted rate. 
and you tried to sell it and no one was buying it. I put this new one up on Instagram, the big one, mm-hmm. and I probably got five or six DMs being like, where did you get that couch? I want to buy that exact one. <laughs> like it's custom bitches. <laughs> but actually like the crazy thing about it is, um, to be a, like a, it's, it's a fully custom couch. It wasn't even that expensive. It like, I mean it was, but when you it look was at what you actually, but it was worth it. Yeah. When you look at what you actually got though. You're like, wow, this is an incredible. There piece are certain of things in life that are worth spending money on, and for me, a couch is one of those things. Like couches, mattresses, stuff that like lasts a long time and that you use a lot, and like you get your money's worth from it. Like you, you you pay for what you get. Here's like the, the crazy thing. I agree on both of those, and it's especially the mattress, because mm-hmm. the mattress that we have, I bought, and it was like it was a massive expense for me at the time, and it's like what five or six years old now and i've moved it obviously it came with me when i came here but i want to say like it's a beauty rest black it's extra firm with a plush top and i tried out a bunch of mattresses and that's the one that i landed on and i want to say that it was like a four thousand dollar mattress like it was significant and i bought that like um yeah back in what 2015 and it was like it was a big deal but i love it and it's so like whenever we travel and you know this now you sleep on beds that aren't that and even like a relatively comfortable bed like at a hotel you're like i just i can't wait to get back in that bed and then you do and you're like you realize how much nicer it is and how much nicer it is to sleep in that particular bed and what's crazy is there's this movement in mattresses now and everybody's into like you know casper and perform a sleep and all these ones they come rolled up in a like box why do you want to buy a mattress that comes in a box you have to like you have to undo it and then you have to let it fill up with air because it's memory foam and i'm like no y'all are missing y'all are missing the boat and it's like those things are cheap they're like eight eight hundred dollars a thousand dollars i mean that's not like cheap but i have one the one that i used to have that's now in my parents place it I think it was like a thousand dollars. It's a double. So it's mm-hmm. still a decent, like a decent mattress. And it's, it's nice. Like we were, so we were sleeping, I think at memory foam at your sister's house. Yeah. And I'm not used to that. And as a stomach sleeper, like I need a pretty firm mattress because otherwise my stomach will just sink in. And then my back is curved like in the wrong direction. Yeah. And I, I did not enjoy that at all. I just find, I get really like I get really hot on memory foam mm. mattresses and some of them are like they advertise and they're like, you know, cool memory foam. And they advertise that because they know that like memory foam mattresses are just like hot. Like you're going to get in that bed and you're going to sweat if you're a hot sleeper, but even mm. the cool ones, cause Casper, you know, they make those claims. They're not like they're super not breathable. When you think about the way that they're constructed, it makes sense, right? Like it's just foam all the way throughout versus ours. That's like got a little bit of like, I don't even think it's foam. I don't know what the plush top is. It's not foam, but then it's a, co- a coil spring mattress. You get lots of airflow through the mattress, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Yeah. It's, that's one of those things that I think I'll always be willing to spend money on. I think we're pretty particular with sleeping though. Yeah. Probably I, I think so. it's one of those things where when you have something really nice sleeping, you become very particular about it. Yeah. Like you get used to like the best. And then when you go down a notch, you're like, okay, this isn't working for me. Um, but it, but it's crazy I, I mean, I've never really had like a, like a long-term relationship where I've shared a bed with someone like every yeah. night. Um, but when you moved in with me, 
I had a queen mattress <laughs> and you were like, what is this? I can't, you... like, I can't both sleep on this tiny bed. And then we would sleep a couple times, like when we would travel to friend's house, we'd stay in guest rooms and we'd sleep on like a double bed. <laughs> That's And we would both wake up in the morning and look at each other like so mad. Yeah. Like what? both thinking that we were th- either of us. You were in the middle us... of the bed and you realize like, no, no you were in the middle of the bed just, the bed is just tiny like when we were in toronto for pride and we stayed at prevost place oh yeah we both woke up so angry at the other person yeah. and i don't know how you wouldn't do that on a daily basis if you're share if you're in like a double bed yeah and then you hear like i have clients and i'm like i'm sure this is why they don't sleep well but they they either have a queen or a double and they have their dogs on the bed oh I'm like i don't know how you do that like we sleep at opposite ends of the king mattress yeah and it's great and the feedback from people is like oh well it's not good for cuddling i'm like no it's actually perfect for cuddling because like you can decide when you want to cuddle and when you don't want to cuddle. you're not forced into cuddling as a byproduct of being in a bed that's not appropriately sized for two people yeah yeah we talk about that a lot yeah no because and one of them is a man yeah that's a big person well like my sister and josh like her husband they they share a a queen mattress and here's what i don't get about that sleeping situation and granted like their house is uh it's an old house it's like it was built in like the 1930s it's been renovated so like the rooms are a little bit small and so they have their they have a queen mattress and it's like it's pushed all the way up against like it's in the corner so one side is against the wall um which means like so now i'm thinking like I have to get up and go pee once or twice a night. Like, do you crawl over the person who's on the, like, the open side? Do you, like, or do you hey, shimmy? Hey, wait. Remember when we used to have that giant king bed in my old apartment? Yeah. And it was way too big for the room. So it left, like, <laughs> this tiny area between the wall and the bed. And even more tiny on your side. And so you would have to get up and turn sideways and, like, actually shimmy. shimmy. Yeah. Like you have, you've always, your, your body had to be like sideways, but your feet also had to be like, couldn't be sideways. Basically do a plie or whatever that like ballerina <laughs> foot position is. And then like crab walk shimmy in front of the dresser. And there were no windows in that room either. So it was like pitch black, dark. Yeah. I remember that. That kind of set a precedent. Like, and every time we're in, we go, we're, we share a bedroom now, if we're, you know at someone's house or we're in a hotel room or something you always get the side that's closest to the bathroom like that's just like an it doesn't matter like if it's a reverse side of the bed like if the bathroom is on one side of the room sometimes you like put your pillow or like get set up on like what would be my side (laughs) of the bed in a hotel and i'm just like you know i just move it yeah (laughs) yeah i i i feel like i just am a little more proactive about that now but because sometimes i like to sleep so that my um my left shoulder is down if we're spooning Mm -hmm. so like that's i guess facing the uh the what right side of the room if you're facing the bed but um, and this is why listeners tune in i know information like this but I, so that's, I it doesn't get that. any more entertaining than this <laughs> but like the past few times like we're, the way that we're set up now i have to lay on my right 
yeah it's like a whole thing it's fine i guess like the the one the person who's likely to do the most complaining should get their preference yeah always so back to josh and megan and their small bed oh yeah well i just wonder and i really should just ask of this because i'm sure there's a perfectly reasonable excellent but like do you shimmy down this like the bottom and again like they have a dog in their bed so like oh he for sure shimmies out well but there's no way he's climbing over top i think megan's on the inside oh well then she's shimmying out like down towards the bottom or is she crawling over josh she wouldn't be crawling over somebody yeah so i guess probably you uncover yourself and then you kind of tuck the covers (laughs) up under your leg and then you just like butt shimmy to the foot of the bed yeah and and then scooch up yeah and then to get back in it would be easier because you just crawl up yeah and that's probably why josh doesn't sleep very much (laughs) anyway yeah okay so to our like topic of the day which is, um, and this is one that's kind of, I wanted to do for a while and we've touched of course on what nutrition coaching is, but it's going to be more focused on like what nutrition coaching is and what nutrition coaching isn't. And I think what nutrition coaching isn't is going to be a much easier question to answer. So what do you think, like, what is nutrition coaching not? to start with okay the easy one. and we're speaking from like what we do at tactic yes you can get different variations of nutrition coaching this is like what we we do and what we believe works best well i think there's a, a lack of definition of terms in the space so nutrition coaching can mean a lot of things it mm-hmm. can mean like meal plans from your personal trainer it can mean like template programs from other companies and then it can mean like consulting which is more what we do so when we talk about nutrition coaching, we're talking about like one-on-one semi-frequent communication with clients regarding yeah. their nutrition, health, and performance goals. Yeah. So my definition or what I don't think the nutrition coaching is, what nutrition coaching isn't, is a one-size-fits-all approach. Like you can have personalized macros and it still be a one-size-fits-all. Yeah. Like the approach itself, you mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what our one-time plan is yeah um people can take it for what it is and apply it the way they want to but we explain how to implement the plan in one way and it's like okay this is how you you know plan ahead track your meals meal prep enter your macros hit these macros you should see the results that you want to see in a certain period of time bippity boppity boop and those are for people who they come to us and they're like, I want to macro track. Mm-hmm. These are my goals. I've done macro tracking. I know, you know, I know it works for me. I'm comfortable with it. I don't have any like major issues with my relationship with food. Um, I don't need help implementing the plan, that sort of thing. So like that is a kind of a once it fits all approach. And I think that is more similar to uh, nutrition coaching from certain other companies that, you know, force macros on people force cuts on people more restriction on people um i don't think that is nutrition coaching no that is not coaching that's more that's that's what i would call a program yeah yeah it's a, a very cut and dry this is this is how you do it this is how you apply it like it doesn't leave a lot of room for flexibility and you see that like with any template based um online one time fee nutrition whatever that's probably what it's going to be some are better than others i think ours is still pretty good it's one of the better ones that's out there if i do say so myself yeah i mean but 
Otherwise. It works great for some people. Oh, we've we, had we've had people check back in after like four or six weeks just with incredible results. But it works for a very small subset of the population. And we get probably more often than not people who reach out for that particular plan and service. And you're reading through the intake and you're just like, man, like this person needs coaching because they don't know, like they don't know enough about themselves to be able to, to, to do this properly. Mm -hmm. Like they haven't, maybe they haven't tracked macros. They haven't followed a nutrition program. They don't seem to have a good grasp on biomarkers. Like, you know, they don't, their training is up in the air. They're extremely stressed out. Like, I don't know if, if what I'm about to give this person is, is appropriate for their lifestyle, but I'm going to like, I guess I'll give it a best guess. I think some people want somewhere to start with and they look for a lower price point and they want to see how they do. Yeah. And then they'll start, some people start coaching within the month and they're just like, you know what? You're right. Like we don't even, we don't uh, tend to upsell our coaching, but people obviously know it's an option. So they'll switch to coaching after. Yeah. Um, interestingly with our one-time plans, we always ask people to check in after 30 days. Like it's, it's basically like, we're offering a, f- a free check-in, a free check-in, like a free top-up kind of thing. Yeah. It's like check in with us in 30 days to make sure that you're getting where you want to go with this plan so that if we need to adjust, we can do that. Um, like, are you, are you experiencing the weight loss that we would expect? Are you feeling good and trained? That sort of thing. And if not, then we'll give you new macros. Um, I would say out of the one-time plans that we send out, maybe maybe one in 10 checks in within 30 days. Yep. One in 10. And all those people usually have, uh, pretty good results. They're, they've stuck to the plan pretty well. And like, we might tinker with their macros or something like that, but they're usually pretty adherent. Yeah. I think it like, I do wonder, like, do those people just not check in? Do they not, do they give up? Like what I want, I always wonder what happens. I mean, I I guess what happens is like, and you can just look at the cost of that versus the cost of ongoing coaching right so when you're you've got someone who's who's seeking out a lower price point option because they think like oh i'm like i'm gonna you know get the results i want for as little money as possible um they like that probably tends to be the person that's just like sort of instant gratification like i'm gonna spend money on this it's gonna work immediately it's gonna be great but like in reality the information is very good the usually the the prescription is very good but it still requires like the bulk of the work, 95% of what is going to determine the success of a like a program like that falls in the responsibility of the client and the person who's spending the money. And I think that's it's difficult for some people to grasp that or to put it into action. Or they buy something and they're like, oh, well, this is still really hard. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, you know, anytime someone buys something online, they're they're not buying like the thing they're buying what they think like they're buying the the way that it they think it's going to make them feel yeah so like all right i want to achieve this goal i'm going to buy this plan and it's going to solve all my problems and it's like no like you still have to be the one to solve your problems but here's a roadmap on how to do that mm-hmm. but yeah. i think that's kind of where like that's sort of where the beauty of coaching comes in yeah the coaching um, for those of you guys don't, that don't know, our coaching starts out with the exact same plan as our one-time plan. But we always, we kind of joke about this and we're like, I don't think that that many of our clients read the plan that closely or they quickly forget what's in the plan. <laughs> um, but that's fine with me because yeah. the plan is a starting point for coaching and 
you can go so many different directions. The planets, like, you know, when you look at a map, like a just a real map, and you're like, okay, hey, let's pick a, a city, Calgary. And you look at the map and you just see like roads and just like streams and rivers just like exploding off of that city, going in every which direction. And there's like, there's forks in each and every one of those roads and there's forks in each and every one of those roads. That's nutrition coaching. You have a starting point and you can go down and you can start going down any different road based on what the person wants. Once you get talking to the person, once you realize what the person has going on in their life, if the person's, you know, tracked before, if they've tracked before and don't want to track, if they, you know, it can, it can go in any which direction. And that, is very determinant determinant on what kind of communication that you have with that client, which you don't get with programs, templates, yeah, plans. And what I see, and this is kind of what spurred our idea to do a podcast on this, is we get clients who after a couple months have tried over and over to get the hang of macros or to, you know, hit their macros perfectly they have the all or nothing approach. And instead of saying to me like, Hey Alex, like I'm really struggling with hitting my macros. I I think we need to like approach this differently or I'll say, Hey, like what's the struggle. And instead of saying, you know, my struggle is like, I I'm not on my phone every day. Like I find it really hard to enter in my food all the time. Or, you know, I eat with my kids and sometimes it's hard to track whatever, but instead I get, uh, no, I'm back on it tomorrow. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll hit, I'll hit my macros this week. And how many times does someone do that before? And, but some people it's like, okay, they do hit their macros yeah. that week. It's just like a one-off weekend. Okay. But there are times where it's like every single like few days, that's what I get. It's like, no, I'm going to get back on it. And yeah. it's like, why don't we, why don't we stop? Like, why don't we stop trying to get back on it and like, and figure out what the, the root cause here is and find another approach that's mm-hmm. going to be a little bit easier versus like you know you just feel like you're failing over and over and over again but you're only failing because we're not playing the right game for you yeah we just need to change the rules and just a like bit. there's no open there's no openness to try a different approach they have this and i mean i i've learned over the, the last couple of years like there are so many different approaches and i try to make that clear to my clients like do you want to try something different and it's like it seems as though in their head, there's only one way to do this. Yeah. And it's, you have to hit your macros every day. And for some people, for some people who are, you know, trying to lose their last few pounds or really dial in their body comp or performance, like they do have to get down to the nitty gritty. Yeah. If you're 135 and you want to be 132 or 130 or lean out and you're training like nine times a, a week, like, yeah, hitting your macros is going to be kind of important. Yeah. Because it does get down to the nitty gritty. Yeah. But for the majority of people, it's just not like that. And no. it's it just kills me every time a person's with me for like a month or two months and they're just like, this isn't working, I'm canceling. And then they just, and I'm like, all right. I mean, like if you had, or they just start ghosting you. Yeah. And it's like, are you is everything okay? Like, do you want to try a different approach? Like, this seems like a lot for you. Are you... Is there something, can we have a discussion? And yeah. it's like, nope, not even cl- like, and I'm sure there's a lot of um, psych- psychological. I think there's like, there's shame. There's like a feeling of failure. But again, Absolutely. like that's, that's sort of a self uh, inflicted feeling because 
when there's not a like a when there's not a, a strong base of communication and um you don't understand what's going on with the client because they're not sharing then they probably think that that you think they're failing when really like the only failure in this is lack of communication yeah it's very difficult to actually disappoint me with behaviors like if you're if you're trying and you're being open and honest and and telling me what you feel good about what you feel bad about like I'm never going to be disappointed with a high level of communication, even if like actual adherence to like the program, quote unquote, is not spectacular. Yep. That's okay with me. Like I would rather, I would rather know what's up with someone and I would rather have them be like, look, like I had pizza for lunch. It was unplanned. I like, you know, some friends brought it in or whatever. I really wanted it. I had it, but I also like, you know, I have this dinner plan and like, I can't do anything about it. Like, you know, what should I do? I'm like, well, just like (laughs) do what you want to do today. Don't stress about it. And like, we can talk again tomorrow. Like there's no failure there. The only failure is if that happens and like, you don't tell me or you, you think that I think that you're a failure. And so now you're like, you know, you're, you're projecting that onto me. Yeah. I I get, Oh, sorry. Oh, it's okay. I, yeah, I don't, it's very hard to actually fail in my opinion. I've had clients, newer clients who they're just like shit shows for lack of better term. Like they're just kind of like, they've got a lot on their plate, but they're interested in working on their nutrition. You know, maybe there's somebody who just never had like a breakfast, lunch, dinner. Like they just don't eat real meals. Like, because they're just they just, they're not in the habit of it. Yeah. Um, so they just kind of grab and go. And obviously that's not great for overall health and nutrition. Yeah. Um, so we're working on that and it's been a month or so. And the other day she goes, you know, I, I really hope, and she's, she's doing well. Like she's making some, some progress and you know, she doesn't hit her macros every day. Sometimes she doesn't log, but you know, she's eating a well-rounded breakfast. She packs her lunch now. Like that's huge. And the other day she she said, I just, I hope I'm not letting you down. Yeah. I'm like, absolutely not. You're not letting me down. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like you've been, like we've made a ton of progress here. Like this, this is the kind of stuff that actually matters. Like it's not hitting your macros every day. Like anybody can hit their macros for a couple days, but you know, are they a step? Like, are they learning about themselves? Are they, you know, um, getting feedback from how they feel. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's so personal. And yeah, I think like when you think about that approach and the way that people are sometimes with nutrition, like if you just think about the way that that might show up in like other areas of life, like a lot of people are, you know, they're into CrossFit or they're into working out. Um, and you can like, you're, you can probably remember when you started, doing CrossFit way back or, you know, exercising. So imagine someone walks into a gym and like, you know, it's their first day of their first week. And, you know, they say to their coach or their trainer, the owner of the gym, you know, like there was deadlifting today. And, you know, I was kind of like, you know, I didn't feel great. I was kind of shaky and wobbly. And I, you know, my, my form didn't feel good. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Um, you know, I think I'm just going to (laughs) quit. That is sometimes what we get. Yeah. And you know, the, the coach is laughing, but it's not really funny. That's a good idea. Like you're clearly not cut out to be a weightlifter. You should just quit while, you know, while you're at the beginning of this, like that's insane. Like, you know, or (laughs) the same person walks in and they're like, you know, uh, 
there was deadlifting today and there was a bar loaded with 300 pounds and I couldn't pick it up. So I guess I should just quit. And it's, it's why when you think about the way that, I mean, that, that you can, you can use that analogy in so many areas of your life. Like, like literally that is think an of amazing analogy. Any, thank you. <laughs> think of any, any failure, any mistake, like, um, you know, you drop your phone on the ground and the screen cracks. Like, do you just carry on with using your phone, which still works perfectly well? Or do you smash it into the ground until it's completely broken and not usable? Yeah. It's just such a, like, it's such a, a screwed up way to, to think about things. And it's, it's just the opposite of being in like a growth and development mindset where you're going into, even when, like going into to what you think are failures, like going into scenarios that are totally new with like, and a, like a some amount of curiosity and no expectation like that's where growth happens whereas the opposite is is where failure happens but only because like you're not allowing yourself to experience any of the potential that exists in like a, a growth mindset sort of state of being yeah totally <clears throat> um i think a lot of people think nutrition coaching involves a lot of tough love which it actually doesn't. No, but I can, I, I can, I can dish out a fair share of tough love. And when I think back to even my most recent check-ins, like hardly any of it is tough love. It's no. really just conversation. It's asking a lot of questions. It's trying to get information out of people. It's making sure that I'm offering what they need. Yeah. A lot of times it's like, how can I support you in this? Cause like, you don't know what one person wants in the, like compared to another person. Yeah. You know, for some people like, if it's a holiday weekend, like some people will be like, can, can I text you on Sunday? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but like some people don't want to text me on Sunday. So I'm not going to be like, you know what would work best if you texted me on Sunday? And yeah. be like, no. So instead I'm like, what do you need from me? Yeah. How can I like, how can I support what you're trying to do right now? Yeah. And like sometimes we've had people who are like, I just need somebody to keep me in line. Yeah. Do you get like, that? I get I, that sometimes. For some people I can do that, but it's like, it's kind of like you know, subtle, like Sunday, I'll be like looking forward to seeing perfect macros on Wednesday, but like, I'm not sitting there slapping your hand away from the food. But do you ever get that request? Like, oh, I just, I need some, I need someone to give me some tough love. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really do that. Like I, I'm going to ask you questions and you're going to do what you want to do. You're not going to do what I want you to do. Yeah. And that's never like, that's just, I don't, not that, that many of my of. clients, at, I think more so my clients will be like, I just need you to ask me about it. Yeah. And that an, alone is enough. Um, but we've had people reach out who are like, I just, and I'm sorry, but sometimes it, it tends to be like men <laughs> and it's like, I just need someone to like, keep me in line. And I I'm think like, they oh, want someone, they, they've seen Biggest Loser <laughs> or some shit with Jillian Michaels and like, they want Jillian Michaels in their life to like get in their face and yell at them when yeah. they're like, you know, eating French fries and just say mean things about them and make them feel bad about themselves. Yeah. Like it makes me wonder if like, you think these guys like to be like tied up and whipped? <laughs> like, is it, is there some sort of a, like a, a like correlation between yeah. I need, I need a personal trainer or like a coach to get in my face and tell me <laughs> I'm a piece of shit. And also like, you yeah, know, I like to be flogged in the bedroom. <laughs> I bet you, I bet you that's I probably bet you that's a thing. But uh, yeah, I think, and we've talked. About, I'm sorry. You know what's funny is like, okay, back to like the whole fitness thing. I think about the way I'm as am as an athlete, and and even some other people, 
who who are who do crossfit or who do personal training or whatever and like a lot of them don't flourish when the coach is like you sucked on this workout this was your time yeah you don't see anybody any good coach talking to their their athlete like that at any level even like maybe 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 in like you see like basketball coaches saying like what are you doing but But i think that's more of like a team thing that's like a team dynamic but like in crossfit or in fitness and especially with the clients we work with who aren't elite athletes like we're working with like you know one example is like a 35 year old female who just wants to get fit yeah or like run a half marathon and you know they're not going to be motivated by their coach emailing back and being like you what are you what are you doing you slow poke <laughs> you know yeah like they're motivated and i'm motivated by by messages like this from my coach saying like great work yeah like awesome job hitting those paces that that i knew that was going to be a tough and good job yeah like the next time i go out there i'm gonna be like i'm gonna fucking hit these paces and Again. make my coach proud yeah except sometimes when you run too fast and then you get the like the the message from mike and he's like yeah that was too fast <laughs> I'm like, oh, we're going to need to learn how to pace. Better. Yeah. Um, but I try to be that kind of coach. I'm like, you know, you're not, you're not hitting your macros and they know that. Yeah. And, but it doesn't help me to say like, Hey, like you're, you suck this week. It helps to say like, what's going on? I remember like, um, you know, early on when I, when I started doing CrossFit, um, I was not like, I, w- I wasn't particularly good. I was not a remarkable crossfit athlete or athlete in general when i walked into a hey no um when i walked into a crossfit gym and um you know but what i was good at was was working hard and it wasn't even that i was working hard towards a particular goal i just really liked working hard and um you know i had the owner of of the gym that i started at and that i like I still really admire in Raleigh, which is CrossFit RDU. His name's Steve Johnson. He, um, he has this way with people and like you've met him, so you know, but he has this way of, of really inspiring, like, like hard effort and grit and determination. And he would just get these normal people, you know, they're like, they're accountants, um, engineers, computer scientists, like just people with normal, nine to five desk jobs, like never been particularly good at athletics and they show up and like, they just, they wanted to, they wanted to, to work and they wanted to prove it to themselves. And it's because basically you would walk in and he would say to you, like, you have no idea what you're capable of. You have no idea. He's like, you're going to learn what you're capable of here. He's like, but you have to stick around and you have to work hard for it. And, um, and people just did that. And I remember we would, you know, we would do these, um, these crazy hard workouts. Like the programming at that gym was just like, it was insane compared to what you were doing at other CrossFit gyms. And it's kind of what they became known for. Um, and so you just do these super gritty workouts a couple of times a week. And I remember, you know, I was, I was kind of starting to get a little bit better at CrossFit and my fitness was coming up and there was a handful of pretty fit people at that gym. And it would, it would get into the part of the workout where you just, you saw people's lights kind of fading. Like, you know, you, 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 and you know, these workouts, you get to a point where you have to make a decision. Like it's getting really hard and I'm, you're either going to decide to like get into the shit or you're going to decide to like, to pull your hand out of the fire. 
And he had this way of just like of seeing that moment with people because it comes up at different times. And he would he would come behind you or wherever if you're on a row or a bike or if you're, you know, doing burpees or whatever. It's like he could it's like he could smell it. He could see it. And he wouldn't he wouldn't get in your face and be like, you got to fucking go like you got to go like you see in other CrossFit gyms. He would just get in your ear and he'd be like, you know, it's supposed to be hard. He's like, it's supposed to be hard. He's like, when you feel it get hard, he's like, smile at it, lean into it. He's like, this is what you want. This is what you want it to feel like. And um, I'm going to like goosebumpy even thinking about that. Um, and that's like, it, it makes you, it makes you kind of like seek out that kind of effort. And it made me seek out that kind of effort. It's like everything I did, I could just like hear this, this voice in the back of my head, like, you know, smile at it, lean into it. Like, you know, you don't accomplish anything if you're comfortable and you don't, um, Mm -hmm. like that's like growth in life, um, doesn't tend to happen like inside of your comfort zone. And the incredible thing was, and this is not to like to toot my own horn. Like, I think that to achieve at a high level in this sport does require, um, some amount of genetic potential, which I have. Um, I'm not going to pretend that I don't the most, like the most, um, kind of inspiring part of that was watching watching the effect that that attitude has on just normal everyday people because really like people would show up at that gym and and they would literally just be coming because they saw like CrossFit on TV or they googled it and he's like no I'm gonna change your life he's like you have no idea what you can do mm-hmm. and like and as soon as like if you just stick around for a year two years at that place like you're, you're now on a totally different trajectory in life. I mean, I experienced it and I've, I know so many people who are still at that gym after 10 years and guaranteed if you talk to any one of them, they'd be like, yes, my life has completely changed because of this place and because yeah. of the effort that I decided to put in and the amount of time that I gave myself to, to make positive changes in my life. And, um, I just, I see a lot of, I've always seen a lot of parallels between CrossFit, um, that mentality and success in, in nutrition and in health. And I think part of the reason is because it takes so long. And, um, and I don't mean like it's going to take you five or 10 years. I mean, like we're conditioned, especially with nutrition. Like, I don't think anyone walks into a gym and expects to like, we've talked about this, you know, be back squatting 300 pounds or like crushing workouts. But for some reason, people expect to start a nutrition program and, see massive amounts of change in one month or two months and um it just it doesn't tend to happen that way you can lay you can lay a really solid foundation in that amount of time but the real progress is like are you willing to commit you know a, a high amount of effort and effort is relative to the person effort might be nailing macros effort might be drinking two bottles of water and going on two runs a week mm-hmm. like it depends but are you willing to put in like more effort than you've been putting in for an extended period of time. Can you prove it to yourself? Like you can. I think a lot of people are way more capable of making progress in health and nutrition than they think. But it's like we're not there to to provide the roadmap and have all the answers. We're there to ask questions so that you can figure out what you want to do for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that whole CrossFit thing made me think back. Um, you know, when you look at a workout, this was more 
like early on, like when, especially when I was working out with a class and I would look at a workout and be like, I can't do that. Huh. Or like even when, um, certain events would get released at like local competitions and I knew who my competition was and I'd be like, there's no way I can do well in this competition. Yeah. Or like, what if I, what if I can't do that? unbroken? or, you know, other girls are going to be doing it unbroken and yeah. And like, I don't even think anybody ever told me this, but it was like, and this transfers into so many other areas of life. It really transferred into my academics. Mm. But what I learned in CrossFit is like, even though you can have 10 out of 10 self-doubt, all you need to do is just like, like start the clock and just do your best. And like nine times out of 10, usually, yeah, at least nine times out of 10, you surprise the shit out of yourself and you complete the workout and you do better than you thought, or you lift more weight than you thought. Like in the right environment, you're going to just really like thrive, thrive. Yeah. And it's the same thing. And in my academics, like I would, I would be shitting myself over, you know, having to write a paper on something I had never even looked like, I've never like, like, I remember this Aboriginal law paper I had to write and I was so over my head and I freaked out and I called my mom and I was like, I'm going to fail this class. (laughs) Like, like just, and she basically was like, you know what? Just go get some books, do the reads, like start the project, write notes, just start the paper. And like, I ended up doing just fine. Yeah. But you have to start and you have to try. Yeah. If you fail, then you fail. If you don't lift the way you don't lift the way you move on. But like if, if you, if you never try, or if you look at something and say, I can't do that nutrition, I can't, you know, I can't plan my meal for the weekend. And it's like, Hey, why don't we just try to plan one meal? Like, let's just get started with something. Yeah. And you have somebody there and, and somebody that you can turn to and say like, you know, this is really hard. And you're like, it's okay, but you can do it. Yeah. It makes a big difference. And in that whole CrossFit scenario, you have tons of other people around you who are probably looking at the board thinking exactly the same thing. Like, are you kidding me? Uh, Like 150 cleans? Yeah. I can't do that. And it's like, guys, like, let's go. The class before you did it. Yeah. People have been doing it all day. Yeah. Do you remember that feeling though? Like when you would look, you'd look at a workout that either the night before the morning. Oh yeah. I would actually wake up in the middle of the night and look to see if the wad had been posted. And then you're like, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God. (laughs) Well, like early on, I would be like, wait, Okay, what's, I have to Google that. Yeah, what is a CTB pull-up? <laughs> God. Yeah. That's like, yet it feels like yesterday, but it was so long ago. It was like nine years ago for I me. I love that. Yeah, it's about the same for me. Yeah. Um, there's this week at RDU and it's, oh, it's actually this week. It's, so Memorial Day in the U.S. is, the coming, is this coming Monday. Most people do um murph on memorial day which murph if you don't know is one mile run 100 pull-ups 200 push-ups 300 air squats uh one mile run and you can partition the middle however you want um so they do this week at rdu and it's just the way that this gym is um and they they call it hero week and it actually starts the week before memorial day so it starts on i guess it goes sunday through the following monday um and they start with Murph. So Murph is done on Sunday. Um, maybe it's done on Monday. I don't know. And But every day of the week for seven days in a row, there's a different hero workout. And so um, I know like Murph is done first. And then there's like they do. Uh, I know DT is usually one of them. Uh, bowl, which is another super hard workout. Uh, maybe white, cerveza. 
Um, and then they end on Spahar. Do you know what Spahar is? No. This is the final. This is day number seven. Before Murph? No, Murph is done first. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, so this is this is Memorial Day. This is the one it ends on. And it's always done on Memorial Day because most people have that day off and you need more than the allotted hour yeah. of a class to do it. Um, it's 100 thrusters at 135.95, 100 chest bar pull-ups, six-mile run. Ew. And the way that it's – you can partition That's it aggressive. however – I know. You can partition it however you like, but the way that we've always done it is you do 100, 100, six miles. You don't partition it. And it takes – I mean, it's, like, understandably a very long wow. workout, like two hours for most people, sometimes more. Um, you know, but the, the crazy thing is – it's the, it's the same collection of people, like just normal everyday people who show up every day for seven days in a row and they do a hero workout per day and they're not easy hero. Mm-hmm. Like the easiest day is DT. Like that's the rest day. And then everything else is just, it's super long, lots of running and it ends with that workout, Spahar. And it's like, I think if you, if you show, even if you showed like a normal CrossFitter that week of programming, they'd be like, Ugh, no way. But it's like, yeah, you can do that. You just have to decide to do that. Mm-hmm. It was great. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, but I just, I remember, yeah, I'm just having all these memories of like early CrossFit days and uh, some of the excitement and now I'm thinking about the outfits. Okay, I want you to tell me what year you started doing CrossFit without telling me what year you started doing CrossFit. Like, um, what did you wear? Shoes. Like minimal, minimalist shoes. Were they Reebok or were no, they No, they were new balance yeah and i i wore them on a rope climb workout and they just got completely destroyed same and i was like these have these have to go in the garbage and then i got my first reebok nano twos yep in turquoise green yeah you had those yeah i had a similar experience you had gray ones didn't you no i had um those gray ones i bought those are actually kind of new okay i bought um well i started in like nice you get like yellow and purple ones let me finish my story (laughs) please um i had nike freeze and like my my initial crossfit outfit was like nike freeze you remember the nike like running shorts with like the design yeah. on the side and you get all the colors i had a lot of those so i was wearing those shorts nike freeze and then like a baggy t-shirt and did you have compression socks on no okay because those were popular way back too i i think there was a time where i was wearing Long socks. socks but anyways i did a rope climb in those nike freeze and the same thing happened they just like shredded yeah and then i ordered nanos and i did get the lime green and purple nano i knew it yeah i knew it (laughs) and then i bought the matching lifters but they were the wrong size so i returned them and got like gray lifters i got the like white and black reeboks like the super like the the first lifting reebok like crossfit that's what i i had those also but they mine were the like light gray and white with like yeah. some yellow i remember feeling silly walking around in those because i felt like they were so they it felt like wearing bricks on your shoes yeah, i'd never worn it felt like, like a it. mix between high heels and like clogs yeah and yeah. they were really white and I, I remember everyone commenting on them and i was like super embarrassed because i hate when like attention like that especially back then when you're yeah. super new to a crossfit gym yeah. and anyway. i uh, i like how people and i did this too whenever a rope climb workout would show up i'd be like oh, I'm going to wear my soccer socks. Like, you know what doesn't do shit on a rope climb to protect your, your shins? Socks. Socks. Like, I guess they can be there to, like, absorb the blood after you shred your leg. Yeah. But as far as, like, protecting your leg. 
I had a friend once who didn't wear anything or she was wearing socks into a bunch of rope climbs. I think we were training for team event in 2013 and she, she actually got an infection from like the rope burn that like, it was such a big, yeah, like wound. I mean, it was probably like the size of a toonie and it got infected. Yeah. I've heard a few people have that happen because ropes are kind of gnarly. Yeah. And you probably get like a lot of like you get a lot of Rope dirt particles that aren't well yeah because your feet so you're bringing in all yeah. this like staff mm-hmm. and, and like yeah like chalk and, and yeah anyway i love all that. right so i think the takeaway is i i just really wanted to talk about this because i think nutrition coaching is misunderstood and that's there's just it's a new it's a new thing it's like, a new field. It is sure. a new field and it's up and coming. And I think people are under the impression that every company is the same and we're not. And we're very personal. We really like to get to know our clients. If we have, now that we have a growing team, we match our clients with the coach that we think will be the best fit. Like we put a lot of effort into making sure that coaches are selected accordingly and introduced in the proper way. And, um, you know, we all work together and I just it's not a one-size-fits-all approach and there is no failure and there is no letting your coach down it's just it's a it's a process yeah and every every path with every single client is going to be different yeah I every think conversation is different that's the real difference between like a, a program like ours and a program like I mean, I'm just going to say it RP. Yeah. Like you, as soon as you start making assumptions about people and that they're all the same or similar enough mm-hmm. to apply a, like a systematic approach, like a, you are immediately limiting the potential of that program. Yeah. So it can work for some people, but we feel that the majority of people need something more. Yeah. So we, we try to provide that kind of tailor the tailor, the approach to the person, not the person to the approach. Mm-hmm. We'll never put baby in the corner. No. <laughs> so yeah i thought that was good um in other news we're out of quarantine tomorrow yeah so that's uh, so don't expect any more podcasts for at least another <laughs> month <laughs> no we'll that be was like four it, and three weeks two yeah, weeks that's pretty that's like a new record for us but we'll try to keep them going yeah i think um that's no, good we're looking forward to uh to our freedom and hopefully that means we have more stories to tell mm-hmm. um and then with uh, things opening up and all of our friends getting vaccinated slash recovering from COVID, we can have people on the podcast and um, it's going to be great. I'm really excited about it. Until then. Any parting words? Ivy? Nothing from her. She's asleep. Uh, thanks for listening as always. And we will talk to you guys soon. <laughs>